welcome to another episode of Sight in the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 10, which is titled A Miracle Happens Here. The episode aired on December 14th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on that week 25 years ago? Well, the worst snowstorm in Buffalo, New York history is recorded as 33.9 inches of snowfall in 24 hours. It broke the previous record of 25.9 inches set in 1982. Yikes. That's a lot of snow. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. It would be fine if you were stuck inside and you just got to be cozy. Well, that would be another one, like, remember that snowstorm, like, maybe 10 years ago? That Or no, not 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years ago. Well, you weren't here, actually, 10 years ago, so I don't know what I'm talking about. 10 years ago, they <laughs> had to shut down Lakeshore Drive, and it looked like the apocalypse. 10 years ago would have been my first year here. Okay. Well, snowstorm 10 years ago snowed so fast here in Chicago that a bunch of cars and buses got trapped on Lakeshore yeah, Drive. That was my that was my freshman year. Gotcha. Because so. I remember, I remember Vince and Sarah playing. Because Sarah was very excited to have a blizzard, <clears throat> since she's from California. Oh, that sweet summer child. Oh uh, yeah, um, yay Midwest. Um, from there, we've got Christopher Reeve is released from his physical rehab facility seven months after a freak horse riding accident shattered his first and second vertebrae, which paralyzed him from the neck down. Yeah, this is one of the things. This is one of the things we missed. Um, being with the break between season one and season two, there was so much stuff that I just got lost in the shuffle of my research. So, yeah, the actual accident happened in late May of 1995. So, and unfortunately, he did pass in 2004. But he was a big advocate for stem cell research up until up until his death. Cool. Well, not cool that he passed, but no. <laughs> cool that he was an advocate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And then history repeats itself as Toy Story still holds on to the number one spot at the box office, and One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men stays atop the music charts. And with this week's episode, you've got 34.9 million viewers. Uh, this episode is directed by the director, Mimi Letter. Mimi Letter. You know, we should be used to her by now. Uh, and then it was written by Carol Flint, uh, who also uh, also wrote uh, the episode What Life from earlier this season. And I noted, too, that this is also our last episode of 1995. When we come back next week, we will be in a brand new year. I'm going to have to start saying, Lauren, what was going on this week 24 years ago? <laughs> We're going through these too fast. It's weird. Time flies when we're not taking season breaks. So we open with some upbeat, weird-ass music. It sounds almost like Christmas music. Um, and we see a hand come out from the blankets, and it's Shep hitting the snooze button. And he goes out into the other room where Carol is trying to light a fire in the fireplace because it's freezing. The furnace went out in the middle of the night, and it's so cold that there is frost on the blankets. Like, no thank you. Nope. Um, fireplace is busted, and <laughs> Chef's just like, you know, we could stay at my house. I've got plumbing. You know, I've got I've got a heat. I've got plumbing. You know, we, we could stay there. And Carol goes, I've got plumbing. Almost. And no. then it starts snowing through the holes in her roof, and her place is just a death trap. Yeah, it barely qualifies as a house, I would say. It's barely shelter. So then we jump over from there uh, to back to the ER, uh, where we've got carolers in the ER, because this, uh, this is a Christmas episode, which they will make abundantly clear the whole time. This is a Christmas episode. Um, Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. Right. Merry Christmas. Beat you over the head with it. So yeah, so there's carolers in the ER. The whole ER is kind of stopped to watch them. 
there's a very intense woman just over uh, in, a, in a lab coat just over Halei's shoulder, just one of the extras with just a very intense look on her face. I don't think we ever see her again. And they are uh, the, the group of carolers. We find out they're the recovery room Coraliers. That's how Halei introduces them when they're they finish their song. And turns out Carol has promised that the ER team would go up to the fourth floor recovery department and return the favor. So that's going to be a running gag theme throughout the episode that we'll go back to. And I have a question on this. Was this mm-hmm. ever really a thing people did routinely by the 90s? Because I've never seen carolers anywhere outside of like theme parks and movies. I feel like I feel like I have memories of seeing them in nursing homes. Like my grandmother was in a nursing home probably like not quite a decade after this. So like mid 2000s. And I can remember being going to visit her around Christmas time and there being a group of carolers there visiting when we got there. So I can I can at least remember like. I can remember it being a thing in that context. Whether or not there would be like traveling groups of carolers inside of hospitals, that seems a little harder to wrap my mind around, but I suppose anything's possible. The world's a weird place in the 90s. Um, but after that, got a little uh, got a little throwback to season one, but not in a good way. The storyline of Love's Labor Lost, everyone's favorite feel-good episode of season one, uh, rears, its, <laughs> rears its head again. Uh, Mark is at the hospital attorney's office talking about the lawsuit of uh, Jody O'Brien's family, re her potentially wrongful death. The lawyer's saying they'd rather settle than go to court, but if they settle, it goes on Mark's record permanently, and he's not really okay with that. And he goes, and then, you know, Mark's walking through the hallway after they're done, and there's just a kid running through the hallway, which Mark just picks up right away, which I thought was really fucking weird. Like, yeah, why would you just up pick up a kid. random child? Yeah, why would you just pick up a random child yeah like he's like oh slow down there champ and like scoops him up and it's like what the hell yeah and like not even like five seconds later uh oh hi bradley whitford mr o'brien is there oh oh dear and the awkwardness ensues Mm, shooting daggers from them eyes Mm. this was such a strange callback i felt like like if you were going to go back and pick at this scab, I would have thought they would have done more with it, like shown some of the deposition stuff or shown some of the really, really dig into it if you're going to do it. But to like kind of just touch on it and then leave it was strange to me, especially to have Bradley Whitford come back just for this one little awkward interaction. But it was nice to see him. I was not happy to be reminded of that episode, but it was this was weird. This is kind of a weird episode for me in general. Yeah. So our first trauma, we find out that a Zamboni driver drove right into a manger um, at, was it like a school or something? It wasn't quite quite clear what the event was, but there's like a lot of kids and stuff involved. Jesus, um, on ice. <laughs> on ice. He's driving a Zamboni. Zamboni's clean ice. I am aware of that. But yeah, so the Zamboni driver, either way, there was some... Um, performance of you know the birth of jesus and he drove right into the manger and injured six people um we see a little girl come in with burns from the hot water shot by the zamboni which that's how they smooth the ice they shoot hot water out and then smooth it over and hi al he is helping to bring in the injured people from the accident just helping them do triage and kind of get them sorted out and it is implied that the zamboni driver was drunk when this happened so this is really we don't really see too much of this this is just kind of the opening trauma it doesn't really go much further 
if anywhere that I can yeah, recall. Yeah, not, not really. I'm not sure if they even called back to it, but it's, I think it's been a couple days since we watched the episode. It's mostly to get Al into the ER, because exactly. there's conversations a little bit later with him. And again, to remind you that it is Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we go for after there, we go to a very solemn shot of Mark walking along, well, not really like along the lake, he's out on a pier sort of near navy pier with that's definitely lakeshore drive behind him going into the like going over the chicago river and there's just a bunch of sad christmas music playing in the background and it's it's all snowy and he just looks very broody well not really broody but like very solemn and just very oh what was mark what was mark there's a deposition he's getting a divorce everything is awful yeah buck up Uh, so from there, we just kind of go around the, around the wheel doing some quick hitters here. We've got Benton and Carter talking about how Carter is behind on his charts because he spent too much time talking with a patient. Uh, we've got Carol running around trying to get somebody to, um, join her for the, uh, caroling up on the fourth floor at four o'clock. Uh, Randy begs off, says she can't sing in public because she doesn't like when people stare at her. I feel like that's tied in with her, like, issues that we've talked about before her, her violent, violent past. And then we find out that we do get a touch of follow-up on the Zamboni accident as we find out that none of the kids from the Zamboni accident were critically hurt. So they kind of just hand wave that one away. Well, thank goodness for that. Um, from there, we go over to we go up to the surgical floor. We have Benton scrubbing in with two other really fucking smug, just uh, bougie pricks, surgeons who get his name wrong. I forget what they what do they call him. Benson or something or something like that yeah like, and Peter just like just corrects them it's Benton like <laughs> that's my best that's my best uh, Eric LaSalle impression thank you very much uh, I'm sure he'd be flattered I'm sure he would but yeah there's talk they talk about how they bought stocks for their wives for Christmas like mm. Wall Street stocks type of things like what who does that the rich Vuselich uh, comes in and tells tells them that the surgery they are parking for is off, and unless he and uh, Benton can convince the patient otherwise, so patient is having some second thoughts about using the clamp and run procedure for his particular medical ailment. And Benton has such a, a pleased expression on his face when he is finds out that he gets to go, like he's being chosen to help convince the that smile's gonna be wiped off his face very quickly. But for a moment, he's very impressed with himself. And we get one of my favorite through lines of the episode coming up with Carol. Um, she goes in to help treat a gentleman named Stan Callus, and he crafts toys and delivers them to children with his wife. Um, he's got a white beard and is wearing red suspenders with a white sweater. And this is very much supposed to be a, hmm, is that Santa Claus thing for the whole hmm. episode? Like, he is the avatar of Christmas spirit through this episode. I mean, he's name. not Tim Allen. Well, touchy. If he's if he's Tim Allen, how could he not? How could he be Santa? How could he be Santa Claus? Anyway, <laughs> it's it's a cute through line, and I'm really it's the, the way it wraps up is really fun. And his name is literally an anagram for Santa Claus. No, not quite. It literally is. Oh, you're right. Yes, you're right. Okay, yeah. I was looking at the first name last name separately, but yes, if you put it all together, yeah, if you put it all together, you can rearrange the letters. Yeah, you are right. I am wrong. Good job. It's, it's ho, fun. Ho, ho, motherfuckers. Uh, so then from there, we go back to Vuselich and Benton. And like I said, uh, Benton's self-satisfied feeling is going 
going to fade away here as he enters the room here. Vuselich is telling Benton that he's got to learn how to explain surgeries to patients and make them feel comfortable. And they come into the room and Benton immediately sees why he was brought along on this one that there's a it's an african-american family that is uh, in the room the patient is african-american and his wife is the one that's got concerns about the surgery and has got him having second thoughts and so benton kind of unspoken with looks to view slitch and back to the patient like he kind of realizes why he's been brought along here is like he's like the token representation and that's why he got picked to explain this procedure to them so a little bit of like tale of two two scenes with Benton there he goes from being very self-satisfied to kind of disappointed here but the 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 whole explaining surgeries to patients and all that that's going to definitely be one of the through lines through this episode for sure and then we quick learn that the the department Christmas party is later that night at some fancy bougie restaurant downtown we'll come back to that a little bit later trauma number two this is kind of our main storyline is this is a carjacked victim she's an elderly woman she hit her head on the curb pretty hard after being pulled from the car she is awake but disoriented and as they're examining her they notice that she has a tattoo of numbers on her arm so she was a concentration camp survivor from the holocaust wait she's she's one of my favorite patients that we've had she's i know she's she's easily the highlight of this episode yes definitely and just for future reference, her name is Hannah Steiner. And we will check back in with her a little later. But for now, we have our first audio of the episode. Uh, we have Benton, Vuselich, and featuring Mr. Mr. John Carter with the patient's family. The technique that you gave consent I, to is... I don't know techniques. Macy said she wants to wait, and that's fine by me. Macy is your wife? Yes. Well, maybe we should talk to Macy. Be my guest. I don't blame you one bit. I mean, you have every right to have cold feet. Carter? Detective Benton, Detective Vuselich. I was just, uh, I bumped into Macy in the cafeteria having coffee, and I was just explaining to her that she's not the first spouse to have second thoughts on a day of a major surgery. Feel like a fool. Well, you're not. Flip-flopping this way and that. I guess I'm pretty much scared to death. I hope you don't think I'm crazy, honey. But after talking to Dr. Carter, I know. You're not a doctor yet, but I feel so much better. So if it's not too late, can we get on with the surgery? Yes. Yes, ma'am, we certainly can. Is Mr. Carter free to join us? Yes, I am. Way to go, Carter. I love the change in Benton's attitude towards him once he realizes that she's going to consent for the surgery because like the look once he is putting it together like you've been talking to this lady and telling her, validating her fears about the surgery like his look is just like you fucked up carter and then once he realizes that he's fixed it he's like he relaxes and he's like oh okay i don't know i just i i'm appreciating their nonverbal stuff so much this season it's almost like treating your patients and their family like human beings works more than just spouting facts at them. Hmm. You treat the disease, you win, you lose. You treat the patient, you win every time. What the fuck is that from? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) A movie I have not seen. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's one of my nostalgic favorites. I used to watch it all the time. It's tragic, but it's so good. I'll probably never see it, but awesome. (laughs) I'll have it on the background at least once, and you'll, you'll see parts of it. 
Anyway, Daniel, anyway. what happens next? So from there, we go back over to Hannah Steiner, the carjack victim, uh, who is played by an actress named Joan Copeland. And like we were saying earlier, she's easily one of the highlights of this episode, if not the highlight. Um, she is a semi-prolific actor, um, had a recurring role for several years as a judge on Law & Order, um, original recipe Law & Order, not one like SVU or one of the other ones. And she also worked best with Clooney. Yeah, best Law & Order, I think. Um, worked with Clooney in a movie called The Peacemaker from 1997, which is not one I'm familiar with, so I would be interested to go back and maybe visit that one month for a commentary. And she is remarkably still with us at the ripe old age of 98. So good for her. Woo. Actually, on as of today's recording, tomorrow is her 98th birthday. So happy birthday, Joan Copeland. Yes, awesome. happy birthday. So police found her car. Mark is working the trauma with her and he's very very sweet explaining to her everything that's going on and as she kind of regains her bearings a little bit and realizes where she is and what's happened she sort of like panics and is like where's my granddaughter and this is the first time that anyone in the room or the police have heard anything about a grand uh, about a baby being in the car um she's asking for baby's name is tirza so she's like where's tirza i you know i'm worried about her whatever police made no mention of a baby so they they're calling them back trying to find out you know if the car was if there was any evidence of a baby at the scene or you know what the what the deal is so the the search for Tirza is going to be another kind of through line here over the next few few scenes so we will definitely check back in with her it sounds like a fantasy book name or something yeah like that should be the parentheses title for this is like you know blah 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 parentheses the search for Tirza. the search for Tirza. yeah it does kind of have a little bit of the Lord of the Rings thing vibe to it. Yep. And so we we quick go to commercial, and when we come back, there is still no updates on little baby Tirza. Tirza. Why can't I say that right? Tirza. Tirza. Um. Either way, no no news on the baby. They're trying to give Hana Adavan to calm her down so they can give her a CT because right now she's very agitated and there's no way in hell she'll sit still because she's too busy worrying. And Mark is like, I promise. I will come right to you if we have any news, but we really need to get you this CT. She's like, okay, if you promise. All right. So she goes to go get her CT. And then we flash over to Al is showing Susan some earrings that he bought for Lydia for Christmas. And they are beautiful, sparkly, fake rubies, just totally over the top, something Lydia would completely love. And he's so self-conscious if she'll like them. It's very sweet. And Susan's like, no, they're perfect. They're, you know, they're just her. They're great. You're good. And then Lydia walks up and is like, what are you still doing here? And Al's like, I'm just leaving. Bye. Just like (laughs) closes the box and runs away. And it's very sweet. And I wish we got more Al. And hey, real gemstones are overrated. For sure. And overpriced. Synthetics all the way. I got her this tone deaf web series. Do you think she'll like it? (laughs) Al. Because she's a boomer. (laughs) And then after that, uh, the fallout of Mark and Jen's uh, divorce is marches on. What? Finally. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Didn't realize you were that happy about I'm it. I'm so ready for this to be done. Yeah. yeah well, little Rachel is uh, caught in the middle, so let's hear their conversation, or at least Mark's half of their conversation. No, Jen, no. I'm not going to let you walk all over me on this one. You should have thought of it before you started screwing your coworker. Hey, Man, Jen had the nerve to suggest that Rachel stay with her in Dayton for two more days. What for? Some skating party Rachel's cousins are having. Jen is really pushing it. 
she's the one having an affair, and I'm supposed to give up my daughter at Christmas. She really has great timing, huh? Mid-December kamikaze strike, maximize pain and suffering. And I know you don't want to take it out on Rachel. Of course not. I'm taking Susie over to Cookie and Henry's tomorrow. It's a dreadful family fair, and we'd love you to join us. Thanks. But... Dr. Green, uh, Randy has Mrs. Steiner's son on the phone. He's calling from Glen Ellen. I'm on my way. Later. Uh, I would like to have dibs on the band name of Mid-December Kamikaze, Kamikaze Strike. Strike. <laughs> I'll allow it. Great punk band name. Man, like, what an escalation of rhetoric and tone between the two of them. Like, just, I mean, the last time we we touched on Mark and Jen, he was, like, crying at her bedside in the hospital. Like, now it's like, you're screwing your coworkers. Sucks to be, like, just, he just, his tone has just, like, really escalated. Divorce does funny things to people. It does. I mean, I understand. I understand. He tried to be there for her. He tried to make it work under her terms. And, you know, he finds out through this dramatic accident that she'd been sleeping with her coworker and everything. And it's just like, and, and he finds out kind of in front of their daughter. Like, it's just the worst way to have your nose rubbed in it. Yeah, it is. So I, I, I completely get where his frustration is coming from. And especially if this has been like a week or two for him to digest it. Yeah. 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 Um, and then not having your, your however old Rachel is at this point. Probably six. Yeah. Not having your child with you for Christmas for the first time ever in her life. That's, that, that can't be anywhere remotely considered a good thing. Split Christmases aren't fun. At least the first couple. I'm sorry, Lauren. It's okay. Double the presents. <laughs> There's always a silver lining. So then we go from there, flashback over to Vuselich in surgery with Benton and Carter. And Carter just looks like such a giddy little boy watching this. He's so excited just to even be in the room. Uh, Vuselich remarks to Benton that he's a lucky man, that he's got a student who talks to patients. Which Benton is his usual kind of curmudgeon self about it, just kind of grunts in Carter's general direction. Benton gets asked to finish up the surgery while Carter is assisting with the suction. They're trying to break like a record for finishing the procedure in a certain amount of time. And that's, it's very close and they end up missing it by, I think like 10 seconds or less. Um, but the whole time I'm just watching, I'm like, please don't do things like invasive surgeries for speed, please. Like just take your time and do it correctly and not, cause you can tell Benton it's not is a video flustered. Game. Yeah. It's not a fucking video game. It's not a, it's not a race. It's not a competition, but they just, I guess that's, and that's a thing that you see played out in medical shows kind of across the board that surgeons are these hyper competitive, like hyper masculine, like, Oh, I gotta be the best. I gotta do it the fastest, whatever. And it's just like, can we just not, can we just, just do it correctly? Maybe instead of fast, but that's just me. Uh, coming soon to the next, uh, games done quick marathon, <laughs> uh, near you is the clamp and run procedure featuring Dr. Vuselich. Lizzie. Please do a Let's Play of Surgery Simulator. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so then from there, we get a very interesting little interaction. Um, we go back to the admit desk, and Weaver is there, and she's working on paperwork, and a guy comes in, and she looks up, and she shouts and runs over to him and, like, jumps up into his arms, and they start, like, full-on making out almost. Like, it is very, very familiar, very passionate. We find out this gentleman's name is... 
I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize in advance. Uh, Mulungisi, and uh, he is played by an actor named Michael Chinya Morindi, uh, who you may have rec- may recognize from movies such as Congo and George of the Jungle, along with Jerry. Hmm. Oh, okay. Another one for our list. That's right. Please, can we watch George of the Jungle just because Jerry's in it? Yes, please. Yes. Yep, there we go. We're going to do The Librarian and then George of the Jungle. It's been decided. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I just thought this one was a strange one. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, Well, especially when we know where Carrie's story is going to end up. Yeah. We're just like, ah, okay. Like, is this a bit of a retcon in retrospective? In retrospect? Or is it just that, you know, Carrie herself has gone on this journey of self-exploration and seeing what's out there you know i just i wonder i wonder i like to think of it as you know carrie may be having feelings Mm -hmm. of you know of that she might be attracted to women and might prefer women to get to men at this point there's no way of knowing that because everyone has their own journey at their own paces so for hers it just took her later in life like it's like me i didn't come out as trans until i was 26 so who knows what i'm just doing the math yeah yeah good golly yeah and carrie's got to be what like mid to late 20s in this yeah probably i would I would guess later 20s yeah considering where she is she's she's what so she's probably a fourth year resident because i remember them specifically mentioning that susan wasn't the best option because she was only a third year she couldn't do it because she was yeah. a third year yeah so so yeah would, she's probably late 20s maybe would. 3031 at the oldest yeah so yeah this makes sense moving and then moving on from there we have uh next our next audio clip uh for you it's hannah and uh dr green talking about uh just they're still searching for the granddaughter on the highway and they have a they have a conversation about it she's only been missing a short time don't give up i guess i don't have to tell you that Mm-hmm. Well, it's easier when you're young. You, you know nothing else. They call you uh, dirty Jew in school. You've seen the worst of people. And the best. This little baby. She's so sweet. They just wanted the car. I don't think they would hurt her. But they would. No, you go on. After you have seen evil, you laugh, you you work, you you have children. You don't let it own you. That's your revenge. To live. And then, something like this. And you know that it can all be taken away. Still hope for the best. Yeah. You know what I was thinking when I was upstairs here in this this, this machine, lying so still, I did something that I stopped doing 50 years ago. I prayed to God. You, you know Yiddish, Dr. Green? 
A little from my grandmother. But you are a religious man. I'm the son of an agnostic Jew and a lapsed Catholic. You're no good at all. I, I can't ask you, you to pray for my family. <laughs> well, I can try. Yeah. One of my favorite sequences ever. Very sweet. And if you want to know why we think this is the highlight of this ep- of why this storyline is the highlight of the episode, Exhibit A. Yes, very much so. I don't know. I just thought it was really powerful, and I thought it was really well acted. I think, yeah, I think her delivery is just perfection. And I love just the idea that living is the best punishment for people like that. Just fuck you, I'm gonna do what I want. And holy shit, that is a lot of snow out in the ambulance bay. Nobody's commented on the weather in this one, which surprises me, aside from when it was snowing in Carol's house to begin with, but... I'm wondering when we're going to start getting the weather commentary episodes again, because we haven't had them be like, oh, it's raining, oh, it's snowing. Like, we haven't seen them do that much lately. I think our weather episode was uh, hell or high water, or hell and high water. Yeah, well, I don't mean, like, weather episode as in, like, it's surrounded by the weather, but I just mean, like, those where it's, you know, if where it's snowy outside and you get somebody coming in and be like, oh, gosh, it's coming down. Mm. Now Not necessarily it's the theme of the episode, but... I'm just really mad now that we didn't get Clooney, like... (laughs) finding an excuse to talk about how it was raining in whale and high water like i just really want him to be like just stopping in the middle of it and be like why don't it stop like when did it start raining like in the middle of the drain middle of the drain pipe (laughs) that would have just been perfect oh damn it well what could have been missed Um, opportunities here in 1995 yep so then we find out carol still can't get anyone to sing with her on the fourth floor nobody's nobody's biting which is fine i wouldn't do it no hell no i hate singing in public i hate singing in private i don't sing i'm tone deaf uh i can do expert on rock band you sure can (laughs) thank you very much thank you you sure can you serenaded me with kelly clarkson within a month of us dating and i knew it was love shit yeah i did then apparently everyone's just showing susan jewelry today because uh carter's talking uh with susan about some earrings that he got for Harper, and uh, it comes out that 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 they're real diamonds. Huge. Yeah, they're ginormous, huge, real diamonds. Because I'm gonna assume, based on some later interaction between Carter and Harper, that Harper might not know that he's loaded. I don't think. So. I, I don't think, think that's does. come up yet. We haven't really visited much on John being loaded lately, though. No, it, no. it definitely comes into play a lot. It definitely comes into play a lot in later seasons, but right. This is another hint that, like, hey, remember I'm rich. Yeah, like, they kind of, that's that's funny. They kind of bring it up in that one episode where Benton finds out that he's rich. But other than that, I don't think they brought it up again since then. Right. Or, like, how he just pays for Susan's car to be fixed and stuff like that. And, like, just things like this where he doesn't think anything of it when Susan's like, wait, they're real? And he goes, yeah, is that too much? I think it's part of it is because they have to, because he's a surgeon, so he's not seeing, like, the income inequality like sort of like laid out in front of him like he is in the er mm-hmm. so like i feel like that tends to be a sticking point with him it's like oh i see all these people that can't afford their medication here's dollars like mm-hmm. right or like oh what can i do about this i want to fund this clinic i want to do xyz right you know he he gets exposed to that a lot more during his time in the er exactly so but now he's just surgeon doing clamping runs right 
hearing about people buying their wife's stocks. So then we get trauma number three. We find out a priest has been shot and he's wheeled in with some of his um, parishioners. I was trying to think of the word. Wheeled in with some, some younger guys who are just absolutely distraught about it. It looks like they maybe come from a, a rough part of town. And we'll hear more about his story a little later. But things aren't looking good. And then a quick pop over. Uh, the admit desk staff are, you know, wondering how Carrie knows Blungisi. Yeah, I, I good hope, job. Good I, job. I hope I said that name right. And I apologize mm-hmm. apologize if I didn't. Blungisi. And apparently Carrie had a farm in Africa. She says it with a bit of an African accent. And I, we can't tell if she's kidding. Yeah, I can't tell because she says it with kind of like a sparkle in her eye. And I don't know if it's like this, the like sly, like, oh yeah, it was hot. Or if she's just like saying it just to be like, <laughs> just to fuck with them because they're prying into her business. But either way, it's just Mar- Randy, Harper, and Mark are just like, huh? What? What? What is going on? And so am I. Yeah. Whatever. Go, Carrie. Get it. It's an inter- interesting little wrinkle to her backstory. That's that much is for sure. I love it because it shows like, oh, Carrie can have fun. Who is this? Unheard of. She's definitely softened the last few episodes we've seen her. We also haven't seen her do very much, but she's definitely like toned down. Yeah, I think in how stern. It, it'll be interesting to see if it plays out like this because I almost feel like this period where we either haven't seen her because I remember there was a few episodes where she just wasn't there and then right. since they brought her back she has been kind of de-emphasized as a character like they have not had her in people's face nearly as much and so I almost wonder if this was the period where the writers kind of figured her out where they were just like okay mm. we've got this new character these are kind of the the bullet points the broader aspects of how we want the character to, to work and as we mentioned kind of in her first few appearances, like she's real rough around the edges in her first few appearances. Like she comes on very, very strong. And so I wonder if kind of taking a step back with her was just the, the break that they needed to kind of figure her out and round down those, some of those edges and make her kind of the character that we know to grow to know and love over the rest of the series. So I'd be interested to see if, if we're on this kind of linear track or if we backslide a little bit further. But For sure. That's a really good way to put it. So then we have Susan is working on the priest that was wielded, and I feel really bad I forgot to get his name. But um, he says that he needs to speak to one of the one of the young kids that brought him in before he dies, and Jeannie goes to find him. And I should know when I say these young kids, they're like they're like teenagers. Yeah. They're not they're not like little kids. They're teenagers. So um, Jeannie runs off to find Diablo. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll come back. See more of them in a minute. But they found baby Tirza. Good news. Uh, she's found in a triple X theater on Ashland, which Chicago geography. Want to tell me if that's something um, familiar? Yeah, that's a little West. Yeah, it's a bit, it's like 16, no, not 16 something. It's between like 1500 and 2000 West. So like if their hospital is approximately somewhere close to the lakefront, it would be not too far West of where they are, but like it's, it's impossible to know. Yeah, because we don't. We also don't know where north south it was. But gotcha. Well, any in, in any event, uh, baby was found in that triple X theater over on Ashland. Um, she seems to be fine. She's crying nice and loud. Uh, just a sweet, precious little baby. Very, very, very cute. And as they're kind of checking her over, uh, Mrs. Steiner walks in and picks her up and just kind of soothes her right away. Says so she's. I believe she says she's just hungry. Is 
Yeah, it was really sweet. She's got kind of the grandmother's intuition. It's very, very cute. Um, then we go back to our uh, priest. Uh, he's, uh, he's talking with a young man named Diablo. How appropriate. Uh, Lauren is playing Diablo 3 currently on the on the Nintendo Switch. So I can't stop, won't stop. Game we've already sunk how many hundreds of hours into? Uh, too probably, many? Probably upwards of a thousand hours between I us. wouldn't say that far, but... Oh, I would. A lot. Anyway, <laughs> outside of our gaming habits, so the priest is talking with the young man named Diablo. He's trying to convince... He's trying to convince, uh, the priest is trying to convince Diablo that the shooter wasn't from the hood or wasn't one of the rival gangs or anything like that. He doesn't want him to seek any sort of revenge. Genie ends up uh, running the sca- the x-rays over to the lab and is given a rosary by the priest to give to Diablo. Yeah, because Diablo had run out of the room just heartbroken before he could give it to him. So then Carol goes back to Mr. Callus. And tells him that no one will sing with her and that everyone is a bunch of bah humbuggers. And he just goes, well, the spirit is in you. You bring Christmas spirit. And she's like, huh, you're right. It is in me. And so she uh, she starts to walk towards the stairwell and she's telling everyone on her way that she's like, I'm going to go up and sing. You're welcome to join me. I'm going up to four right now. Bye. Going to go sing some Christmas cheer. I'm like, just totally like half skipping up like she's just determined to bring christmas joy all by herself and then we go back to the priest and there are still the same damn films on that trauma room where the priest is they just said they never got his x-rays back and those films that i complain about every other episode are still on the back wall pretty sure it's every episode at this point that they have them they're the the standard issue i need to i need to start checking and seeing if it's literally the same film every episode i think it is but either way still not his films they're just chilling in the back um yeah they never got his scans back so they're not his and they're trying to run him up to surgery but he starts to crash so they have to wheel him back and stabilize him in curtain two and while this is happening mrs steiner is in curtain one holding baby tirza and walks away carrying her, just kind of like soothing her, just doesn't want her to see it. And then we uh, quick cut back over to uh, Jeannie, just trying to get the x-rays as fast as humanly possible from the from the text, and finally does, and gets all the way back to the trauma room, the priest isn't there, and then finds where they were taking care of the priest, and just in time for them to declare the time of death. Hmm. And she respectfully does a sign of the cross as they're waiting for another priest to join them. Yeah, it was very sweet. Diablo goes, do you have a priest? He, I think he would want a priest. And Mark's just like, can we find a chaplain? So, very nice. And then, total tonal shift. We go up to Carol singing in the recovery department, all by her lonesome, because no one joined her. And as she is finishing the last verse of the 12 Days of Christmas, the whole ER staff comes to each chip in a line that they barely remember and it's supposed to be very sweet but it just means that after that they all head back downstairs so carol had been caroling all by herself and her team just came up at the last minute for a little like hey look we helped isn't it sweet and it's supposed to be a very heartwarming moment but i was just like really guys you came up for a 12th of a song but hey props to uh, carol for yeah. putting herself out there like that good for she you carol did. go carol my absolute favorite part of it is as they're leaving, Clooney is riding on the uh, IV uh, pole 
like yes. like he's on a chariot <laughs> like he's he's like standing on the thing and i think carol is behind him pushing him down the hallway so he's just like gliding down the hall it's my favorite part bunch of, the whole of kids scene. it's it's a good team moment and i really like it so then speaking of tonal shifts we go right over to benton in a dark room uh reciting something he is kind of back in the the early season one setting like doctor asleep in a, a side room um sounds like the end of charlie brown christmas like he's just sort of like kind of mumbly reciting this bible verse uh loop and was i right is that what it reminded you of too because that's where my brain went oh as far as charlie brown christmas yeah oh yeah 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 that's definitely definitely the tone they're going for here um okay the do we do we know for sure that it i think we do right we get confirmation from genie later on no, I I did a Google oh, you to did make Google. sure that this was the verse. Oh, I did a Google, okay. but but we are confirmed later that it is in fact a Bible verse, not Charlie Brown Christmas. But I did do a Google. <laughs> Goes to show you, it's not a whole lot of church going on in our in no. our houses because we we're like, oh, it's Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, if, it's it's the Jesus. If you had had me bet. Um, before I actually checked it, I would have been about 50-50 on if it was Charlie Brown Christmas or a Bible <laughs> verse. And that is my greatest shame. Like, I'm sorry, family. I have failed you. We're just, we're just not religious people, and I'm, that's okay. Fine. I'm from, this is fine. I'm from a family of lapsed Catholics. Same. Just like Mark. Oops. Methodists. I don't even know. It's all over the place. <laughs> Whatever Plenty they are, they oops. ain't doing it anymore. That's the point. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he, hey, same with my family, he gets interrupted, Boy. uh, gets, gets called into a trauma, an uh, elderly woman coming in with tremendous back pain, pain started very, very quickly about 20 minutes ago. Uh, they do an EKG, which comes back normal. They ask Carter to talk to her husband, Mr. Rubadu, which is a name you will learn Ooh. to remember. And my, my stomach like fell out of my gut when I was watching this, when I saw him appear, I was like, Oh no. Like I had this immediate like feeling of dread when he showed up. We have to be careful because I don't remember the plot and where that's going. Yes, with we're, him. we're gonna we're gonna so... tread very lightly here with spoilers. We're not gonna get too much into where this goes, but just just safe to suffice to say that um Rubidoux, Mr. Rubidoux or Ruby as he comes to be known, I would say and Lizzie, you can tell me if I'm speaking out of turn here, I would say that even though he's not really a patient per se, I would say he is one of, if not the most significant um, patient interactions that Carter has maybe ever. Would you, would you say that's? Yeah, I'd say it's top. I'd say it's top five yeah. for sure. It really, it really, it's, it, it really informs Carter's demeanor going forward. It helps. It's a big stepping stone into him becoming the Carter we know and love in the ER mm-hmm. versus surgeon Carter. Yeah. I, I would say for sure. Like this is this is gonna be, I think, the start of one of those kind of metamorphosis moments for Carter where we're gonna start to really see him grow up very quickly. Um but so he goes off with Mr. Rubidoux to get the consent for the procedure. Um it's diagno- diagnosed as an aortic dissection. So Carol goes to look for Mr. Callis to share her joy that she just went and caroled in front of people by herself and like, you were right, it did work. Christmas is magical. And um, he's gone. And they were like, oh, he was just there. But he's gone. And his room window is open. And as she closes it, a little tinkle of jingle bells occurs. 
And, and as it's so great, her face is priceless because as it happens, it's clearly like, uh, um, what's the term when it's a sound that's happening in the show? Ambient. Diegetic. Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah, diegetic, yeah. So it's clearly a diegetic sound where it's supposed to be the actual like character is hearing it because the minute that tinkle happens, her head just snaps to the window, and she's like, "What the fuck?" She doesn't actually mouth it, but she's very clearly startled and is like, Christmas is real. <laughs> um, then uh, another tonal shift. Uh, we would go back. We have our capture this. It's nothing like super spectacular, but I felt like we had to at least mark uh, the first interaction between Carter and Mr. Rubidoux. So we have uh, Carter explaining the surgery to him. This shows what Dr. Benton feared is true. Your wife has a dissecting aneurysm. The wall of the aorta is tearing. And with your wife's age and her history of hypertension, look like she, she's very active. Still, surgery is a risk. What are the odds? About 50-50. But if your wife's aorta continues ripping, then she has no odds at all. Well, it sounds like we, we have no choice here. Okay, I'll sign. Well, you have a choice of a new surgical technique, the clamp-and-run procedure. This has the benefit of being completed in a fraction of the time the standard surgery takes. Why is that better? You always run a risk of heart attack or paralysis with this operation. It's new. Mm -hmm. Developed by one of the top vascular surgeons in the country, and he works here. New is better? I don't know. I don't know. That's up to you. But you, you, you'd go with the new thing. I would. Okay. All right. Where do I sign? Uh, it starts off so so insignificant. Mm. Should I take my headphones off and like go in the other room while you two talk about this for a minute? <laughs> no, it's no, no, fine. no. Like it's I said, fine. we, we don't. Fine. We do not need to get into to spoiler territory. Like like we said a few minutes ago. Like just suffice to say that that Ruby here, played by Red Buttons, a very famous kind of oh hey it's that guy type uh, type actor uh, from kind of old Hollywood days, appeared in stuff like Poseidon Adventure, uh, Sayonara, and The Longest Day. Um, passed away in 2006 at age 87, um, which must Aww. not have been too long after his last appearance as Ruby, because he comes back later on, um, much later on, way later on. Yeah, this isn't just a season two thing. Yeah, this is a season two thing. So like, we're gonna we're gonna see him way way down the road. But yeah, it, it's suffice to say that he's just a very significant character in Carter's arc, and it will be. Like Lizzie said, it starts from this very kind of insignificant place and it grows into something, you know, so much more powerful and, and significant for Carter. So it's, it'll be, I'm, it, you know, definitely file this under that, you know, I didn't realize we were here yet category. Like, cause I, I knew this is something that was coming, but I was still surprised that we were getting it, you know, now. So, yep. Ruby is here. We get to rediscover these things with our rewatch, and we get to rediscover them with you, the listener at home. 
and everyone just has a good time. I feel so bad. I've seen this whole series. We did a watch through like five <laughs> years ago. Why don't I remember this? There's so much shit from this show that I don't remember, and it puts me to shame when I go on the Facebook group and everybody remembers every microscopic detail on Pop TV, and I'm like, who's this? Because there's 15 seasons of the show. Yeah, there's 331 episodes at 45 minutes a pop. Like that's that's a lot of hours worth of stuff to digest listeners i apologize i'm not qualified to be on this show and yet you are and we love that you're here (laughs) i bring moxie um speaking of moxie so uh randy (laughs) has gathered the the um priest's belongings and is like oh you know do we want to call the parish to give these back or do you want to give them to the parishioners because they're still here and she gestures over she's talking to Jeannie, and she gestures over to diablo and company who is on the phone, on the payphone, speaking to what we assume is fellow gang members. And he is having a very heated phone call, ordering a hit on the rival gang because he is convinced that they were the ones who shot up the priest. And Jeannie marches over there in total mom mode and is like, hey, he swore that the other gang did not do this. Do you want to violate his dying words? By starting a gang war, you shoot them, they shoot you, and this goes nowhere. And he's and Diablo is just so mad. He's like, "Well, we have to do something." And she's like, "Honor him, keep the peace, keep what he worked for." And just damn, those are some huge balls on Jeannie. Like, you go, girl. It's one of her best acted moments, I think, that we've seen so far. Oh yeah. Because while she has had. While she has had some great moments with Benton, I think the more they let her shine individually as a character, not just a love interest for him, the more we really just get to see how great Jeannie is. Like, we knew she was wonderful, but we really get to see how much she's going to grow as a character. Oh, yeah. She's done all of her best stuff, I think, since getting away from Benton. Like, I think all of her best stuff has been when she's on her own, so. And then we quick go up and we are checking with Benton and Carter and they're talking to Vucilich because they've convinced Ruby that his wife needs to have this surgery and Vucilich is like well I can't perform it because I've had one of these and he's got like a cocktail in his hand he's like but so and so is going to lead and Benton you can assist so one more one more chance to beat the record after that after we check in on the surgeons we find out that the ER uh, party is unfortunately been canceled because they're because they wanted, it. they were having it off-site as opposed to in the doctor's lounge with like the surgeons were. Their restaurant in the Gold Coast has been snowed in, so they're moving the party to Carol's house instead. How bad does it have to be for the Gold Coast to get snowed in to where you can't have a company party? I mean, this it's, is Chicago. It's okay. Roads get fucked up all the time. I know, but still. And there's a lot of speed bumps around the Gold Coast too, on side streets and stuff like that. So depending on what street the restaurant was on it could be harder to plow and yeah 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 there's lots of ways for shit to get fucked up in the gold coast it is an older neighborhood but yeah so party at carol's woo party at carol's shithole (laughs) can't break can't break anything because it's all already broken right so then we get another very kind of sweet moment as uh hannah steiner's family has arrived uh, she's going to have to stay in the hospital for observation and, and whatnot. So they're, she's very kind of sad about that because she doesn't want to disrupt their Hanukkah celebration. But the family has brought Hanukkah to her 
uh, while she's in the hospital. So they they borrow the lounge so that they can light the menorah and Mark joins in for a moment so that they can reflect on family and say a prayer and everything. It's just very, very sweet. And, and it adds a nice little nice little touch to this otherwise very kind of by the numbers Christmas episode. It adds this other sort of wrinkle to it that's very nice. And I, I also like, just as a side note, that it kind of takes us away from the, um, trying to think of a way to say this, the um, Christian-centric That's kind of what I was going for, line. too. Yeah, it's like, yeah, sorry, let's, just... let's, let's remember that there are other things going on besides fat guy with a beard. And then after that, uh, we have our next bit of audio. We have uh, the staff party at Carol's, so let's listen to their shenanigans. Deck the See that? Don't you ever dance like that? Hmm. Hey, it's the champion. Everybody, the man who broke the 1995 record for the climb and run procedure and saved a life. Carter. Hey, waking up with this. What a hero. Well, they're outrageous. I like yours. You think they'd notice if we switched? No! I mean, I think they will. Hey, look who's drunk. Oh. You leave her? Oh, no, no, I just uh, needed my coat. <laughs> yeah. It's chilly in here. Oh. I thought about you today, Peter. Your first Christmas without your mother. I hope it's not too hard. She had her favorite Bible verse in Luke. Had me memorize it before I could even read. On Christmas, she'd like to hear it. Keeping watch over their flocks by night. Yeah. That's the one. So I, um... I guess it's your first Christmas alone, too, huh? awkward and benton is still trying to pull his cool guy shit but i love i love the thing with um with doug and susan where he's like look who's drunk and it's little baby susie and just that he's (laughs) hanging out with baby susie and just the no don't with harper and lydia With with the earrings yeah like it's it's just a good cute little um hodgepodge of moments that just it it's just always nice i've mentioned this before when we've had the little like party episode um pieces just to see everybody just interacting and just not in the middle of a medical trauma but just like these are all coworkers and they do all have like interpersonal relationships other than just what we see in the midst of the heat of the moment in the yeah. er they're the best kind of coworkers they're the coworkers you want to hang out with after work and then uh, after we get after that awkward moment of uh, Boo Lenten, we have. Uh, <laughs> did we ever name Shep and Carol? I don't think we have Cheryl. No. Sh- yeah, Cheryl doesn't. Because really there's work. not a good one. Yeah. We could Either use way. Carol's last name. And Shep, Shep. Shep doesn't have a last <laughs> name. Katha Shep. Does he? Or is Shepherd? Is Shepherd his last name? Is that? I don't know. 
Well, no, because it's Raul and Shep, so I think it's his first name. But some people go it's... by their last name. I don't know. It's. But I'm saying on his on his name tag. Oh, I see. I it's Susan. It's Susan and Carter. Fair. Like. Shep away. Who knows? Anyway, Shep, Shep has uh, some feelings, and Shep would like to share those feelings with Carol in this next audio clip. Wait for the toast now. I know I've got more cups of here. <laughs> Hey, will this do? <laughs> what? I love you. I do. I said I do. I, I, I... I, I, I want you to have my babies. Shep. No, no, I mean, I think that we would have really good ones. I think they, they would look nice, you know? I think that we should spend every Christmas together, you know, forever. I mean, they don't don't think about it. Just say yes. Shep, stop. And I know this is sudden. I know it's out of the blue, but I, I said it, and I, I don't take it back. You know, I, I think this, you, this is the best. I, and I, you don't have to say anything back, okay? I, just, just stay just the way you are. Don't move. Find any more? Say the first part again. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I figured it out. It's kind of cheating because it uses carol's real life last name but it's too good to pass up uh shepulees <laughs> i'm here for it nope <laughs> i'm here for it you're overruled in this one lauren come shep away come shep away come shep away with me either way <laughs> <laughs> who who says that you think that we would have we i would i want i want you to have my i babies. want you to have my babies they'd be cute i think they'd be really they'd really be really good looking they'd be really nice they'd be good looking not the best leader i think we should celebrate christmas together forever but, that part's sweet but like god damn it Shep. goes right for the eugenics angle yikes <laughs> i highly doubt that that's where but no it was a very sweet moment and i love when randy walks in and goes oop and turns around <laughs> just oh excuse me <laughs> As they proceed to make out on the uh, very dirty kitchen floor. Yeah, gross. <laughs> like I still love them together. Yeah, I'm still here for it. Daniel, yeah. you're outnumbered on that That's one. That's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm very fine here with being for... outnumbered on that. I will say he has he has it improved. I will say that he has yes. improved. Did we mention bangs or tinkles in this one? I don't think so, but it, it was bangs. It was kind of uncharacteristically so. It was bang. Like it seemed like it should have been a twinkle, and it, it was bangs. Because it was right after I think the the love's labor lost. Mm. callback i believe is when that happened it was it was right after the um the long shot of that's Mark on the that's pier. right oh, yeah. yeah yeah that seems tailor-made for a, a little you know kind of melancholy soft opening and instead we smash cut in you know like, they're still figuring it out With bah, bah, bah. i don't know this one was uh like i said a little oh, bit we have little one, bit, we got one more thing oh shit that's right i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry jesus so then, after Shep and Carol are making out on the kitchen floor, we go over. Mark, Mark is on one of the common phones in the ER, talking to Rachel, and just you know actually asking her like, "Hey, I heard your cousins are having a skating party. Do you want to stay?" 
And, you know, she obviously says, she says yes. And he's like, all right, you know, you stay a couple extra days. And then when you get home, we'll celebrate our first daddy-daughter post-Christmas, post-Hanukkah, you know, New Year's shindig. He's like, I don't know what it means either. We'll figure it out together. And then it's very sweet. It ends like he's made his peace with that. And he's going to make the best with what he can with the limited visitation situation. And it zooms out and a bunch of people are having a snowball fight in the ambulance bay. And I couldn't really like identify any of these as main characters. Nope. Just a bunch of no name ER staff. Still very sweet. That's all we got. What a weird episode. It was fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's very fillery. It's, it's a holiday episode. So, I mean, it's time kind of to be expected. I think you're going to, everybody's sort of taking a, some time for themselves around this time. So not expecting any, and the fact that we do sort of, we do get a major character introdu- introduction in this episode. So that's, that's good. And like we said, the Hannah Stein, Hannah Steiner storyline is, is very strong. It adds a nice little non Christian wrinkle to a otherwise pretty by the numbers Christmas episode, I feel like, but, um, so yeah yeah i thought like the whole genie storyline was just way overblown with the priest or even overblown but just like just was really just wasn't compelling yeah with the priest just felt like it was overacted and cliche i thought she did a good job yeah she did a fine job with them just saying like as a whole though yeah the storyline was very meh it kind of springs up out of out of nothing and and doesn't feel like you've really earned the full the full moment but yeah, I mean, if this is the worst we get out of the whole season, I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was perfectly fine. Yeah, that's it what, was, that's what, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it amused me, I was entertained, and that's what we want the most from a TV show, so I was happy with it. Yeah, we're not saying it like it's a, I'm not saying it's a bad episode, no, no, I'm no. just saying, you know, it's easily probably my least favorite of the season so far. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's definitely the weakest of season two so far. All right, well, that's going to about wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. Higher tier rewards, once unlocked, will include special season recap episodes, a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in the moment, and also monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at Dan.U, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where each episode we do a different pop culture topic, uh, put it through a little mock trial. All right, and uh, Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me trying not to live tweet about current events at my personal Twitter at lobob92345. Best of luck with that. Uh, And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's G-A-M-3-R. And I am also doing a Let's Play series on Mass Effect Andromeda for the uh, Popular Court YouTube channel. So I believe it's youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Or you can just search the popular court. Yeah, search the popular court. We're trying to get the the URL sorted out. But like I said, YouTube has some dumb rules about that, so... Fair enough. If you just search the popular court on YouTube, it should pop right up. And yeah, I'm the beautiful person playing Mass Effect. Um, playing Mass Effect Andromeda. Jake played. Yeah, Jake played Mass Effect 1. I'm playing Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> very, two very different You're both looking. beautiful, but... Oh yeah, very, very different games. <laughs> You're very different looking too. Oh, that's that's fair. Um, I have boobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please 
won't cut that. Oh, no. No, of course not. Um, thanks again, everyone, very much for listening, and please join us again next time, and have a great week.